Okay, just give me a little while to just quickly get myself ready. Chris just messaged me, are you okay going up without introduction? I said, yeah, of course, I'll just walk up. <laughs> Same time. Um, uh, Venice, thank you so much for that heartfelt testimony and being so transparent um, about you know, what you've gone through and, and your journey um, in motherhood. The service is going so well. I feel like I don't even, I don't even need to preach. Um, girls, thank you. Uh, Carissa, Joe, for, for chairing the, the kids' band. You guys do, do such a fantastic job. Thanks, Harold. Um, and Ezra, 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 there was such a tough act for Auntie Mayan to follow. This boy, um, I went to him and said, hello, gorgeous boy. And I say that to a lot of, you know, like cute little kids. And then, and then he replied, he was the only one who said that back to me. He said, hello, gorgeous lady. <laughs> a heart melter, that one. Be careful. Um, today is a very special day, and I want to wish all the beautiful and strong Mothers, a happy Mother's Day. If you're not strong to start with, by the end of it, you'll be very strong. Um, and uh, mothers hold such a special uh, place in our hearts and in our lives. Um, today, I want to honor my mother-in-law. She's not here. And my mom, she's also not here uh, with us right here. Um, but I want to really honor them for showing me how to love well through their sacrifices and servanthood. Um, and this morning, this morning, um, I woke up and then my little one, when she woke up, rushed down to me and gave me all Mother's Day present and, and a card. And is it okay if I read a small part of it? Yeah, thanks, Grace. Um, she wrote, you know, a lot of things, but this one really touched me because um, this is what we've been working on uh, in, in our household and, and, and with her as well. She said, Mom, I hope your message will go well. I don't like it when you're stressed and worried, but I know that the more you do it, the better you get. We've been working on, you know, like giving it a really good go, having a growth mindset, having the grit, and then just, and then just, just trying. It doesn't matter um, if you're not good to start with, but if you keep trying, you're going to get better. And like this morning, you know, it's like it's today already. I've been, I've been prepping for this message for a couple of weeks now, and, and it's today, and I'm feeling a little bit, oh, oh, and then when I saw that, I said, okay, yes. That's right. It's so good when um, the things that I've been teaching the kids and they use the same thing to encourage me at a moment of need. Thanks, Gracie. A bit about um, myself. Chris and I, uh, we've been married for 21 years. <laughs> we have three children. Um, can someone run my slides? Because I cannot multitask. Okay. Um, we have three kids. It's Rachel, Nikki, and Grace. Rachel is... 19. Mm, I don't know if she's here. Oh, yeah, she's here. <laughs> she's as big a, a Disney fan, almost as big a Disney fan as her dad. Nikki's 16. Nikki um, plays too much computer games like all geeky Asian boys. Um, he also enjoys fencing and volleyball with his mates. Gracie is 11. 11? Yes, 11, turning 21. She's like really mature for her age, and she's got the future name of her daughter all worked out. She loves little kids, and she loves playing with them and hanging out with them. Um, 
when Chris asked me to speak today, she said that um, he, he, was, he was saying that um, like this, this, since it's been a while since I last spoke, and there have been a lot of young uh, families that have joined our church who've never heard me or, or know me that well. So what I've done, because I love like personality stuff and, and, and you know analyzing things and stuff like that, so I've prepared a quick chart. No, wrong one. Sorry. Oh, Chris, where is it? Oh, yes, that's the one. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh, so I prepared a quick chart of what are some of my temperaments, uh, Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. I thought that is the most efficient and quick way to do a quick introduction of myself. And some of the words that I, I picked up from all those, um, all these three markers are like, you know, I'm loyal. I'm introverted. I need my time alone. Um, I am detail-oriented, which is like, it's always grief crisis. It's like, it's too much detail-oriented. Um, and I'm analytical. I am driven by understanding the why of, of different actions of, and, and, and different people, understanding what, what makes them tick. Um, I'm organized, and I'm very self-critical. And um, I'm always the harshest voice um, on myself in my own head. Um, and a little bit about my, my background, I came to Melbourne from Malaysia when I was 18. Back in 1995, I came here to study. When I came here, my cousin um, brought me to FGA. At that time, FGA was only half a month old, like half, half a year old. Um, and I got saved right here at FGAM. Um, and with that, you know, I, as a child, I've been raised uh, in this church and, and, and I'm really humbled and, and uh, honoured to be able to give back to this house. And with that, I really want to thank Auntie Eve, our founding mother, and Uncle Roland, our founding father, um, and also the founding team of the church. Because, like, you know, what would, where would I be without you? And, and, and I know um, that I speak for a lot of people who are seated here. You know, Psalm 121 says, Unless God builds the house... Us who labor, labor um, in vain. Looking at the fruits and the lives of so many families who have transformed, who have been transformed because of this church, mine included, I can very confidently say that God is indeed in this house. Amen? Um, sometime in March this year, uh, I took a trip to Sydney with um, some of my precious girls and also with Rachel and her, and her friends. Um, we went to uh, a conference in Sydney, the Colour Conference. Now, it's, we booked our ticket very many months ago, right? If I, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have gone because I said, I've gone back to work in February and by March, I was just like so busy trying to um, get back into that, that work and, 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 and house and at home routine. Um, but I'm so glad I did. I really very much needed it. And um, all the messages were really inspiring and, and really good, but one one word in particular spoke to me, and it wasn't during a sermon, um, it was during worship. Um, and this is what, uh, uh, I think it was the last night, and it was uh, Brooke Frazier who was leading worship, and this is what she said. She said she has this word playing in her head for, for a week now, and she said she didn't know what um, God is trying to say, but then as, as she was leading worship, this is what she felt God was saying. She said there are very many seated here, um, at the conference, um, that, um, that, that, that you, we are approaching him like we are still the Canaanite woman 
in Matthew 15, 21 and 28. Remember the Canaanite woman, the mother um, who begged Jesus to heal her daughter, the woman, the, the woman and, and the crumb story? And, and, and when she said that, I felt something inside my gut just went kicked. And it's like when she said that, I had a physical reaction to what she was saying. It was like, um, you know when, when you're pregnant, ladies, sometimes your baby kicks you from inside? It was a little bit like that. I think God has been trying to speak to me for a while now, but last has just been so hectic, right, that, that I, have, I must not have been paying attention that he had to kick me from the inside for me to pay attention. And I'm so glad that I availed myself. I pre-committed to a trip um, to avail myself to be kicked physically by the Lord. Um, and um, since then, I've been just meditating and stewing in that passage. And today, I want to share with you about some of the things um, God has been showing me. And I've titled it, Lessons from a Canaanite Mother. Okay, let's, um, can I have the scripture up, please? We'll read the scripture. It's a bit small, it's a bit small. Matthew 15, 21 and 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, your, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So just to summarize, prior to this, Jesus was ministering at the, at the region of, um, of, of, uh, of, of the Jewish region. Um, and he must have been exhausted. And so he retreated to the vicinity of, of um, Tyre and, and Sidon, which is, was a Gentile territory, to get some rest. But it didn't work because Matthew explained that he was accosted by this um, Syrophoenician Canaanite woman. Tyre was close to the Jewish territory. And um, back in Mark 3, we knew that when Jesus was doing his ministry, they were, he drew a large crowd. And in Mark, it says that some of them were from Tyre and Sidon. So she must have heard um, about Jesus and in his ministry and, and who Jesus was. Um, but being a Canaanite woman, she also knew that she did not have the religious, racial, and cultural standings necessary to approach him. First of all, she's a Gentile. And Jesus said his ministry was first to the Jew, and it has not been un extended unconditionally yet to the Gentiles. So she was an outcast. And she was a Canaanite. Like back in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, Canaanites were the, the people who occupied the promised land before uh, Joshua and, and, and the Israelites came in. And God has said that, you know, like they, they were to be exterminated because they were a people who continually sinned against God unrepentantly. So she knew she was from the enemy nation and she knew she was from a nation that, des that do not deserve salvation but deserved judgment. Um, and then she was a woman. Back in those days, 
it, a woman is, was, was forbidden to approach um, a strange man, especially the religious one. So she can't approach God. So I was meditating on that. That kind of reminds me of what we were and who we were before Jesus. We were an outcast because we were the Gentiles. Um, we were sinners. We deserved judgment, not salvation. And we can't approach God on our own. Now, all those were rectified when Jesus came and paid for our sins and redeemed us, adopted us back into the family of God. We were no longer an outcast. He paid for the penalty of our sins. So we no longer um, uh, like deserve judgment. But because of God's grace, we adopted into his family. And we now, because we've been redeemed, we now can approach God. And all those... It's not by our own works, but by the grace of God. And I was, when I was meditating that, I felt that this is what God spoke to me. So this is the first lesson that I felt God was saying to me, was that we cannot save our children. Parents nowadays have so much um, information accessible to them. You just Google internet, or on the, on, you just Google internet parenting, and you're inundated with like advice on any question you may have, more than you can ever digest. Um, and... I also want to commend the parents now who are raising um, kids. You guys are, are achieving way more than, you know, um, than mothers of, of previous generation. Many of you are juggling work and, and, and like a career and, and home. Um, you're more intentional about your parenting. You read more um, and you plan more. You're way more organized. And I just want to commend you for doing that. But with every virtue comes a hidden temptation. And sometimes um, when we can, when God gives us this godly vision of motherhood, we can sometimes find ourselves picking up an extra burden that we are not meant to carry. Okay, let me put it this way. We can exalt the importance and the vision of motherhood so much so that we think we can save our children. Um, kids, remember you sang the song, what was the first line? My mom is so nice, so loving, and something like that. And then it says, there's nothing my mom cannot do for me. Well, there's not nothing, there's almost nothing that your mom cannot do for you. Because your mom cannot save you. Salvation belongs to our Lord. Now, good parenting is very important. I'm not saying that we should... Um, you know, put it aside. Um, we should parent the best of our ability because God has given the lives of our kids to us while they're here on earth for us to steward and we should steward them um, very well for, for Him. Um, but we must not forget that salvation belongs to our God. If salvation solely depends on how we parent, then it's better not to have any children because who can carry such a burden? We'll all be crushed by the weight of that. Um, at our best, we couldn't save ourselves, much less our children. Nobody's ever saved by good parenting and nobody is ever lost by bad parenting. God wonderfully intercepts our lives as sinners um, by His grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. And that's how you were saved, that's how I was saved, and that's how all our kids will be saved. The Canaanite woman, she was a good mother. The Bible speaks very highly of her. The biblical scholars speak very highly of her. 
but she knows she doesn't have what it takes to provide the deliverance that her daughter needed. Only Jesus can do that. You know, um, about three years ago, my daughter had a medical emergency. It was, I still remember that day so vividly. It was during our fair. And after the fair, she had a tummy cramp. And then I was quite paranoid about appendicitis. So I thought, okay, maybe it's appendicitis. So, but it was a Saturday, late Saturday, and I couldn't get her to, uh, to any clinic. So I called a locum doctor in at midnight. The locum doctor came, checked on her, and said, you know what? It's not appendicitis. It is um, a gastro. So I said, okay, five of you, good, 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 good. Then the next day, we were scheduled to have holidays, so we went away to Phillip Island for a few nights, and I regularly checked and to make sure she was okay, um, just make sure, you know, has, has the pain moved to the right side, and you know, just everything that I know about appendicitis, Googling it and stuff like that, just make sure that she doesn't have appendicitis. Um, and then she got better a few days later. So we came back, and the next day, she went to the city to catch up with friends for lunch and went for a movie, and I thought, okay, she must have been okay. And then the next day, she got ill again, and I took her back to see a doctor again. And then it just went a few cycles like that. We took her to the emergency department. Um, and then I even picked up the mistakes that the doctor made with her urine test. The doctor came back to the room and told us, oh, her urine sample was, was okay, showing no infection. But I said, wait a minute, her urine sample is sitting right here next to me. Like, I tried my absolute best. I was very detail-oriented and make sure that everything was done well. but it was appendicitis. <laughs> and it had ruptured and stayed inside her for so many days. And how we discovered it was really God's intervention. Like I, I, my son fences um, competitively, and, and, and I'm always driving him fencing. And one day, usually I would just drive him in a drop and I, and I leave. And one, but that day, after taking Rachel to the emergency department, and she, then the doctor came back and said, oh, it is highly unlikely it's appendicitis. So I dropped Nikki fencing that, that same day, and then um, for some reason, I decided to stay. So I got out of my car and I went in, and one of the mothers there, um, who's her husband, um, was, a, was a surgeon, and I was, I was telling her about what happened to Rachel, and then she said, no, 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 my husband, come take your husband. My husband has to see your daughter, like, like, I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't really trust, you know, the trainee doctors at some of these emergency hospitals. And, and, and she said, like, you know, she's heard some not so good stories, which I won't go into today. Um, but she said, no, 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 bring your child, bring your daughter to see my husband. I'll organize everything. And she did. And in my head, I was thinking, oh, you know, so I've taken her to see three doctors. I've taken her to the emergency department. They say it's not appendicitis. She is fine. But then I went, okay, you know what? Since she's organized everything, I'm going to take her anyway. So I took her there that night at 8 p.m. And then she asked, he and, 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 the doc, and, and he asked Rachel to jump. And Rachel could jump. Her symptoms were so atypical. And she's, she's like, she really didn't look like someone who's had a ruptured appendix sitting in her body. Um, but then he said that, you know what, common things are common. So he organized all these tests and, and everything. The next morning, we went there next morning at 8 o'clock, and we stayed there until 3 p.m. that day because um, her scan was just like, like one abnormality to the other, to the other, to the other. And in the end, he had to, say, he, he had to send us immediately to the hospital and get everything sorted out. And she spent one night in the ICU and a whole week in the hospital. And it was 
three weeks, three, four weeks before her VC exams. Um, and then I stayed with her at the hospital. All this time, I was thinking, I've done, and I, I, was just, I was just replaying that again and again and again in my head. I was thinking, oh my goodness, this is just an appendicitis. People go in, have a keyhole injury, and get out on the same day. How did this happen? How did I miss it? I've taken, I've taken it to see so many doctors. I've taken it to the emergency department, and yet everything that I could do, everything that I could think of to do, couldn't save her. And if God had not intervened, I don't know what would have happened to her. To have a ruptured appendix sitting in her body. So, <laughs> whatever I did couldn't even save her from that, much less her salvation. I know there are um, a lot of parents here who would give anything to turn back time and parent differently. I know there are a lot of younger parents here who think motherhood is so very important, who have exalted the vision of godly motherhood to the status that they think that their kids' salvation depending on, is dependent on how well they parent. And to the mothers who who regret haunt them. And I want, I want to say to you that you have to let it go. You have to forgive yourself because God has forgiven you. It doesn't do anyone any good dwelling in the past that you cannot change, but there are things that you can do now. There are things that you can sow so that you can reap in the future. Reserve a God who can restore all those that the locusts has eaten away, and it's not too late. And Jesus wants you, uh, and, and has healed your, 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 your regret and, 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 and your, your unworthiness. Give it to him. He's dealt with that. And then I want to echo what Pastor Phil said last week. He said, the best opportune time is today. <laughs> right, Siani? Um, and God's mercy is new every day, and there's no better time than today to just really experience the forgiveness from the Lord and to really um, place God back to where He's supposed to be in our parenting. For this lesson one, feasting at God's table means to me um, is experiencing the grace and love that He has for me and my children. Grace is unmerited. It's not dependent on how good I am, how awesome I am, or how bad I am, how unworthy I am. It's no matter, or regardless of how good you are, or how hard you work, but rely solely on Him. Okay, point two. Her, this is what the woman said. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. The woman was grieved and brokenhearted, and it was fair to assume that she would have tried getting deliverance from all sorts of, of idols um, and, and methods prevalent in her times and culture, right? Like, you're a mom. You know, people say there's warrior, there's coward, there is like all sorts of things, but then, and then there's the mother. Um, if you, you know when your child is sick, you would have done everything that you can, everything that you know how 
right? So it's fair to assume that she would have tried like all these things and, and she would have tried taking her child to all sorts of idols and all sorts of things that she knew um, before coming to Jesus. Because Jesus wasn't in her province before. She, she was in the Gentile province and Jesus was ministering in the Jewish um, provinces. So she's done what First, Thess- First Thessalonians said, um, turning away from idols to the living God. Now, back in her days, idols were often made of like golden calf or, or wooden cow or whatever. So when, we, when I say idols, some of you may think golden calf and wooden cows. And some of you may think things that, this, that, that are overtly sinful, like um, substance abuse, alcoholism, pornography. But what I want to bring to your attention today is that they, those aren't the only idols in our lives. There are a lot of seemingly good things that can become idols. It can be anything, really. It can be wealth, power, status, leisure, comfort, security, control, work, good grades, good parenting, sports, friends, and our children. All of these things are good um, in and of themselves. They are blessing from the Lord, and we must treasure them and steward them well for the Lord. But if they sort of creep up to a place in our lives higher than God, that thing becomes an idol. I remember after coming back from Chicago, Chris and I, our family spent two years in Chicago, and after coming back probably about eight, year, eight years ago, um, in Chicago, before Chicago, I was really, really unfit. While in Chicago, I found this like amazing gym. It's like a clubhouse. It's just so good. And then I started working out because I had more time. Chris had more time. And then I started seeing the results. I started feeling fitter and I'm fitter than all my kids and my husband. And I was like, my clothes fit better and I'm leaner. And I was, I was like really enjoying um, my workout. So much so that the first thing that I did when we moved back here was to find a gym. And to my disappointment, no gym was as good as the one that I had in Chicago. But anyway, um, I, I was at the place where, you know, I would like, when, when the week starts, I would take out the schedule from the gym and I would see what classes I want to do and I plan my whole schedules around the classes that I wanted to do. And then there were days when my kids were sick and they had to, you know, stay at home and then that means that I cannot go to my class and I would get really annoyed. <laughs> and then one day, Driving in the morning, I remember driving to the gym to my class. I was driving, and then when I, usually when I drive, you know, I mean, I'm still Christian. I have worship music playing and sermon playing in the background when I drive to the gym. Um, and I was driving. So I can't even remember what the message was, but some it's like God spoke to me, not audibly, but inside my head. And I go, <laughs> Why are you spending more time in the gym than you? spending with me and then I was like wait what really like I didn't even realize I thought you know what I'm doing is a good thing I'm looking after my body you know you always hear people say that to parent well you need to look after yourself and that's what I'm doing I'm looking after myself and then when I heard that I was like I stopped in my tracks like I mean I didn't just stop I pulled over (laughs) I had to pull over and I just broke down and I cried and I turned the car back, drive back, or drove back home, and I like dropped my, my gym bag, ran back to my room, turned on my worship song, opened my Bible, and I repented. 
And I was just so glad that God loved me so much that He would arrest me and convict me of something that I never knew was an idol. And I thought I was doing a good thing. The thing is, right, things that are idols to me may not be idols to you and vice versa. And we have to allow God to speak to us about what is it that's gripping our hearts? What is it that is taking a place in our lives, in our hearts, that is higher than God, that, 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 that spot where God is supposed to be at? Well, many years have passed now. I am um, less fit. <laughs> I have to buy bigger size clothes. <laughs> Um, but I have now developed a, a, a pastime that I feel like I can enjoy more. I like doing prayer walks. I like to go out for walks now. I'm still exercising, but I'm praying. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the church. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my husband. Um, and, you know, it, the, the, the fulfillment I get from there, it, it's, I, I can't describe it. You need to try it. Our hearts, our hearts are created for worship. And, and there's a God-created hunger in us that only can be filled with Him. Our heart goes around looking for things to worship and, and, um, and to fill this hunger. So much so, so, much so that John Calvin um, equates human hearts to the idol factory, always churning out idols and looking for things to worship besides God. You know the advice that people give that says, when you're hungry, don't go grocery shopping, yeah? Because you always end up buying more, like, junk, unhealthy food than, than, than you, you would not have normally. Um, it's a bit like that. Well, our heart is always hungry. And the world is a grocery store. Unless we fill ourselves with God things first, we will just end up buying and eating a whole heap of junk food this world has to offer. Kids, does your mom let you eat lollies and chocolate and chips before dinner or as dinner? No, no. no, yes. Notice I did not say, did your dad? Because the dad might do that. <laughs> but no, your mom doesn't do that because you know why? Because she loves you all so much that she wants to make sure you get all the nourishments that you need for your growing bodies to stay healthy. <laughs> But sometimes we can get to a place where we are so filled with the things of this world that, do not, that we do not feel the hunger for the things of God. And I think that is a very dangerous place to be at. Idols can only make promises, but they cannot keep them. They satisfy us temporarily only to leave us emptier and hungrier than before. And like the Canaanite mother, the pursuit of idols left her desperate and desolate. But unlike the Canaanite mother, Jesus is not offering us mere crumbs. He has prepared a table, a feast before us, and granted us unlimited access to the spread of himself. And when we feast at his table, when we feast at his presence and his provision and his goodness, we will discover that he satisfies our hunger and our longing so that we can keep our appetite for the counterfeit in check. Practically, as a mother, it improves, I find it improves our relationship, my relationship with my children, because I'm not looking at them for my source of fulfillment. 
I'm not putting them at the pedestal that they're never meant to be on. And I'm not using their failures and successes as the gauge of my own self-worth. So feasting at the table of God is the antidote to idolatry. Okay, let's move on to point three. Do I have time? Okay, I'll be quick. Point three. Enduring faith comes from knowing who Jesus is. Um, I just want to read. I'll just read from here. From verse 23, but he did not answer her a word. And the disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she's crying after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost ship of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's, children's bread and give it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dog eats the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Just sit there for a moment. Imagine you had a desperate need. And out of that, that desperation, you mustered enough courage to defy the rules and the conventions of, those of your time. And you approach this religious man. You begged him to help you. And first, he did not even answer you. And then when he did, he said, no. And then he referred, you, referred to you as a dog. How would you feel? Sometimes I would sit in there and I think, oh my gosh. I would just imagine myself doing that and I was like, I would be aghast and offended. And when I read her response, I was like, I was, it's, it's remarkable that she wasn't. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and she demonstrated to us what... Saving faith looks like humble, persistent, reverent, and cannot be dissuaded. In Luke, it says the kingdom of God is for those who seize it. She wasn't, by de uh, she wasn't deterred by Jesus' initial silence, nor the disciples' comment to send her away. She wasn't um, deterred by the remarks uh, about dogs eating the bread of the children. Um, she caught Jesus in his own words, and with the rights of dogs, she gained the rights of a child. We all have unanswered prayers. There are days that we pray and get no answer. There are days that we come before God and offer all that we have, offer our heartfelt petitions. We speak our words, express our feelings, make known our needs, and nothing happens. We wait, we listen, but it's like speaking to a brick wall. I remember um, I, I had chronic highs for two years, and during the two years, I've been knocking and praying and, and, and seeking God for healing, for, for just giving an understanding what is my body, you know, reacting to. And it was like silence, 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 silence. It was really frustrating. Um, um, but I believe the key to the Canaanite enduring faith is a revelation that she had of who Jesus is because she called him Lord, son of David. Now, son of David is a messianic title. Um, the Messiah that God had, had, had promised would be a physical descendant from King David. And, she, and, and, and he would be the greatest one of all, greater than David himself, and he would reign on his throne forever. 
the son of David, this Messiah, this Christ, would usher in a glorious reign of blessing for Israel and also for all the nations, uh, the Gentile nations as, as well. This woman had a revelation of the coming Messiah, the son of David. She knew the promise, she believed it, and she rested her faith on it. That's what helped her not to be deterred by all these obstacles that was, was in front of her when she begged Jesus for help. Our faith can only be in, enduring if it is placed on someone infallible. Notice that she did not just put her faith on any Tom, Dick, or Harry. You know, for any Tom, Dick, or Harry here, I mean, I'm sure you're great, but you're not Jesus. Your name is not Jesus. And she did not place her faith on just anyone. She believed the prophecy that was spoken of this Messiah. She had a revelation of who Jesus really is. He was the, the living God. And she rested her faith on that, and, and that helped her not to be deterred by Jesus' response. In her case, she was, reward, she was rewarded for perseverance and, and for faith. Um, I wish I could tell you that if you would and could persist in your prayer and you could just like, don't stop and, and keep going, your prayer would be answered. But we all know of persistence that do not have the same outcome. We know of people who have, you know, asked God for certain things for so long. They, they, they are faithful. They, they persist. And yet, God say, no. I, I don't know why. And whatever answer I try to give you will not be satisfactory anyway. And it is sobering to realize that many of our fiercest struggles and greatest wrestles are with the Lord. Some, like the Canaanite woman and Jacob, received what they wrestled for. Others, like Paul, when he pleaded God to remove the thorn in his flesh, and like David, when he sought God to spare the life of his child, did not get what they petitioned for. Infallible doesn't mean all our prayers will be answered the way we have requested. Infallible is someone whom we can find rest and refuge. Whatever, whatever, the answer is to our prayers. Someone who can, we can find rest and refuge as we weather through the storms of life. Persevering faith, enduring faith, comes from a deep revelation of who God is and, is a willing, and a willingness to take risk and rest in that revelation, knowing that He will never fail us. Whatever it is, His answer to our prayers, He will not fail us. And to conclude, I just want to um, quickly touch on the ripples of an overflowing life. The Canaanite woman received what she came to seek from Jesus. All those moments of intense anguish and desperation were resolved in a single moment. And that was just the crumbs. When I heard Brooke Frazier share the message, I felt God saying to me, all these things that I've planned, all these things I've desired, all these things I pray for, for my kids, for myself, for my family, they are just like the crumbs that fall off the children's table. He's saying, daughter, why are you coming to me like you are still the Canaanite woman? And I feel like he's speaking to you today as well, like daughters, sons, children. Why are, why are you coming to him like you are still the Canaanite woman? 
He's beckoning us today to come and sit and eat as children, not dogs, nor any like household pets. Jesus has secured for us a place at His Father's table. He wants us to come boldly, rightfully, confidently, and experience a deeper level of intimacy with Him. If you have ever felt tentative, like I did, or unworthy, um, you know now you can kiss that goodbye and come and find out just how good the Father is. He wants us to have a holy discontent. Do not be content with mere crumbs. He wants us to have this holy discontent um, because He's a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can think and imagine. There's just so much more at the table of God. And when we take our place and feast at God's table, there's an overflow e effect, ripples of blessing that spill into our families, our schools, our workplace, our communities. Um, if it improves your relationships, actually, in a practical level, um, all your relationships, because you are getting sustenance from the rightful source and not from the people and things around us. And then we can be a blessing to them. Um, that's all. <laughs> I Thank you. Oh, and before we finish, actually, I want to invite the... Hang on, Chris, sit down, please. I want to invite <laughs> um, the kids band up. They have, uh, at my request, prepared and practiced a song. And I just want to invite them up to do that. Thank you. All right, so what we might do is, as they do this song, um, this might be our, our closing song. I am really so thrilled um, that we get an opportunity to honor mums. I love hearing my wife speak. You've got to help me persuade her to get up more often. Um, I'm just going to close this in prayer, but as they do this song, um, can you allow the Holy Spirit to really just work in you? Because I know for some of you, today has been convicting. Because at the table is where God wants you to be. Father, I pray that even as we close with this song, that your Holy Spirit would move in and through us. Uh, that all the kids here, all the moms, all the dads, every single person, every person who is here, Lord God, that you would speak to us, that the table is open for you. Commit this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay around for the song, and then we can dismiss. table
you're welcome to join in. Oh, come you weary, come and find his yoke is easy, his burden light. He is able, he will restore at the table of the I just want to say a really, really big thank you to the whole kids team. Uh, they have, Harold's done a great job with um, all the kids leaders. Thank you so much uh, for pulling off a fantastic Mother's Day. Uh, may God bless you richly. If you want um, to stay back for prayer, you're very welcome to. We'll, we'll keep the, table, um, the altar open. But otherwise, enjoy food outside uh, and fellowship. We'll see you all next week as we continue Missions Month. God bless. That was so slow. That was so slow.
because he didn't play. Yeah, I was like, Isaac missed the cue. <laughs> he missed the cue. He, he, he was supposed to build up and forgot to build up. And like, oh, crap. Majesty 